Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hello, and welcome to Cavs the Podcast. This is Chris Francis filling in for the veritable Nate Smith. And we have, it's been a Korean, it's a Korean takeover is what it is. <laughs> we got Eli Smith, or Eli Smith, Eli Kim in the house. <laughs> what a do, baby. That's right. <laughs> and we've taken over the Podcast Studio Resort. How has your summer been, Eli? It's been busy, man. A lot of travel. Um, got to see the house that Dame built and is leaving last weekend in Portland. Um, right on. And How long did you stay in uh, Portland? So I was in the Seattle, Portland uh, area for like five days. Went to National Park uh, in Washington, Olympic National Park, and just a good getaway for a long weekend for the July 4th uh, holiday. And been traveling almost every weekend. Uh, went to San Diego like three weeks ago for a wedding and I'm actually going to DC next weekend for another wedding. So oh, shoot. it's been wedding it's been season. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. Nice. How's your summer been, Chris? Ah, uh, it's been, uh, it's been kind of quiet now that I think of it. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What have I been doing, man? I've been just slaving away at work and, uh, you know, consuming as much, you know, uh, uh, basketball content as I could until it ran out, you know, and, uh, I've been, uh, fiending for it. So finally, uh, finally we got summer league starting. We had the draft recently. Uh, so, uh, finally something to tune into for, you know, for the basketball starved to been, uh, chatting it up with the, uh, with the Twitter homies, uh, in the meantime, talking about trades, talking about drafts. So, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've just been a, a, a bit of a, you know, work and uh, online nerd <laughs> for this summer. That's awesome. <laughs> right on. So uh, we have a whole bunch of stuff that has happened since we last talked and since May our last podcast and apparently the our I saw Arch on the I saw Arch on the on the boards Cavs the blog uh clamoring for a, a free agency podcast so here you go we got a uh draft and free agency pod here for you so uh what's your initial take on the draft so let's start there uh, the draft was 2 weeks ago a week ago uh like yeah 2 weeks ago I would say yeah, so it just happened. Uh, Cavs, uh, they were rumored to trade. They were trying to trade up. They never did. Um, uh, they ended up choosing uh, Imani Bates 
at the 49th pick. Um, what's your reaction? What, what, what are your reaction to draft night uh, and the lack of moves, uh, so to speak, for the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the Cavs weren't going to make a move. I thought all the rumors of them um, looking to get into the first round probably were legitimate, but I bet the cost was really high. I think the deals that did get done, I mean, for example, uh, the Mavs got off of Bertans and then they – uh, you know, traded down two spots to do that, which I think is a really aggressive move. Um, that was an expensive move, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, seventeen million dollars for two spots in the you know top in the lottery. I think that's really expensive. And then also the Kings, they had the twenty fourth pick. They got off of Richwan Holmes, um, which I think was you know he he was a pretty good player, except last year obviously he was kind of not a fit for their system with Sabonis being a real focal point. Um, so. I think given kind of the price in the market, I think it made sense for the Cavs not to make a big move. Um, Interestingly enough, I think if Portland knew that Dame was going to request a trade, maybe it would have been different for the Cavs too because that rumor of Jetty Osmond and salary cap relief basically for Nasir Little in the 21st pick, I believe, I think that was a legit legit thing out there um now but, so what you're saying there uh, to clarify so what you're saying is that move may have been more likely had they known dame wanted out or less likely uh knowing dame wanted out what do you, uh, what do you i think mean? it would have been more likely i think portland would want to try to get off um you know guaranteed money um moving forward and i think that would have helped them with that um and also uh, obviously, at the end of the day, they didn't, and they resigned Jeremy Grant to a huge deal. So they <laughs> operated that as if Dane was going to stay, um, which was interesting to say the least. But, um, you know, I think ultimately the Cavs picked the highest quote unquote upside player they could get at the 49th spot. Imani Bates was, you know, um, a player who has. Some, uh, you know, he was an elite recruit, but wasn't was never an elite uh, athlete, which is kind of interesting for me. Um, but I think, you know, I get the I get the play. You go for upside, and look, there's not a lot of 49th overall picks that have long historic careers in the league. So, right, I think the way they approached that was fine, and you know, I don't think you can get too upset about the lack of Cavs movement on draft night. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I I think I agree with you basically. I mean, Imani Bates is, you know, he's got pedigree in terms of recruiting pedigree. Um was a highly touted um senior coming out of high school. And um I I just wonder uh to me there was a couple of guys that they passed on that I wonder about. Um Keontae Johnson of Kansas State um, Jalen Clark of UCLA. Um, what's your kind of take, like in terms of, you know, we, there's a t- Cavs are a team that are, you know, they're looking to be competitive, and they're and they're looking for guys. You know, there's a there's a theory that you might want to take um, lower lower ceiling, higher floor guys uh, and and senior guys, uh, older guys from college. Um, to see if they can immediately contribute. Um, what's your feeling about that? Because Bates is real young. I mean, we're, uh, even if he does pan out, can't see him contributing here for 
you know, probably two, three years, probably, um, uh, versus where uh, Keontae Johnson, he's 23 years old, I think, fifth-year senior, uh, had a lot of uh, good tape and a lot of success in college, uh, somewhat the same with Jalen Clark. Yeah, I mean, I think Keontae Johnson was one player I would was leaning for the Caps to take as well. I think um, he had a lot, a lot of good tape, and you know, I agree on the high floor, lower ceiling kind of guy. Um, but ironically, the Cavs is kind of—I don't know—I feel like they always zig and zag when they don't need to. And if you, when we go into free agency, I kind of will harp on that point because they spent all their free agency big bucks on kind of the high floor, low ceiling guys, which uh, that's a, that's an interesting take on how to spend, you know, almost $22 million of new money on. Um, so, I mean, I get, I get the logic on going for Keontae Johnson, but um, at the end of the day also, he kind of would, from what everything is coming out, it sounds like the Cavs had a plan in free agency and executed it. So maybe that's why they went a slightly more upside direction in the draft. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. One thing I will give the Cavs a lot of credit for with the Bates pick, unlike last year, which they wasted two picks on um, I don't even remember, the mullet guy and the Travers. other guy. Yeah, um, taking guys that were consensus, not even, they weren't even supposed to be drafted. At least Bates was on the board. At least Bates was on the radar for mm-hmm. a lot of teams, you know, especially in that second round. I think, you know, that's a positive change that I saw this year, a positive change in strategy uh, by the Cavs this year that I saw as opposed to last year where they're wasting picks and stashing guys that are useless. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't know what your take on that is. Yeah, I was actually surprised by Travers last year. I think. Diop might be there might be some you think upside he might there. Be a guy? I think he could be a guy. Um but I do think it was I think the weirdest thing about last year was that they traded before the draft for a third second round pick, which ironically is might make the Cavs look bad because they gave up a pretty good Euro stash player who is coming over to the NBA this year. Oh um, really? What yeah. so uh, re can you uh, can you recap that trade? What was that trade? Yeah, so that trade they traded the rights for. I, I don't remember his first name, but he's going to play for the Kings. He was the Euroleague MVP, Vazenkov, um, and they traded for that pick to get Isaiah Mobley. But um, that was the Euro player. He he came over on like a six million dollar per year deal for the Kings. Um, so. And ironically, he really fits a need for the Cavs. He's a stretch big, and he, you know, was a dominant player in the Europe League. So, if that move comes back, <laughs> comes back to hurt the Cavs, it'll be really interesting to see kind of all the hot takes that emerge from that. <laughs> That's interesting because going actually, it's interesting you mentioned. I forgot about Mobley. Mobley wasn't even consensus top sixty player. I don't think he was. I think. I think there was, you know, if he was going to get drafted, he was going to get drafted at the very end of the draft. I don't think yeah. he, you know, I don't think he was really a sought after prospect other than, you know, it seemed like that was a fait accompli to, to, to the Cavs. I don't mm-hmm. you know, but, and it, well, what's even more interesting about that, uh, that guy that you're mentioning, um, 
you said he's a stretch four. It's interesting that they re-signed Trey Lyles. Um, mm-hmm. uh, did they also re-sign? Do you know if, uh, sorry to skip ahead, but do you know if they also re-signed Alex Len? They did. They did re-sign. Alex oh, Len. they did. Wow. So that's very interesting because I, you know, what's interesting going back to the playoffs a little bit, uh, Alex Len and Trey Lyles absolutely outperformed. Uh, I think they were, I think they were, they played better than Sabonis did in that series. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought Alex Len looked really good and I think both of those guys came back on really reasonable numbers. Oh, which, absolutely. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. So. The Kings, I mean, they got some good vibes going on, and I think that's uh, they got a lot of big combo forwards that can do a little combo forward and bigs that can do a lot. So it'll be really interesting. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of put the nail in the coffin on the draft, I think I think teams are maybe this is a theme that I'm noticing, but I think teams are getting smarter overall. Like I don't think the days of teams reaching like 20 picks are coming in are like multiple teams doing that, I think are shrinking nowadays. And I feel like the data is just so much more readily available that teams just don't make huge mistakes as often. That's my kind of take on the draft as time has gone on. Yeah. I I actually, you know, I think that's interesting because like you saw late risers like uh, Brandon Podzemski, Jaime Jaquez, they go close to the lottery, you know, because, and, it's interesting, uh, the, you know, those were guys that were those were guys that were late risers that people kind of just realized, wow, they have an all around game. Um, they should probably go higher than where they're projected. You know, they were initially projected, I think, not even in the first round. Um, so it seems like there's a willingness to draft older guys, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and older guys that are well-rounded. Um, what did you make of the Cam Whitmore collapse? Uh, uh, did you, uh, what'd you think of that? Yeah, I think his medicals probably have to be pretty bad. I think that's kind of the only reason for that drop. Right. Um, but I mean, back to the point of like the older guys, I think we saw this kind of trend last year too. I mean, if you remember the Grizzlies took Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest, um, mm-hmm. Third year guy, took, right? Yeah, and they took uh, you know like Kenny Lofton, the like even the guy, or David Lofton Jr. Sorry, so like a guy who checks the analytics box and you know performs on the court but doesn't have the prototype body. Like teams are willing to still draft and try it out. Right. Where in the past, I think it's like, oh, he doesn't fit the prototypical build, and you know, I'm not. We're not going to take the risk as a team on that. Yeah, another guy. Uh, Another guy I wish that it would have would have fallen a little bit farther. Leonard Miller. How? Why? Oh, yeah. did, what? What happened with him, man? Why did he fall? I don't know. I thought I really liked him. I was hoping if the Cavs did trade, that was kind of one of my sleeper targets for the end of the first round. Um, he seemed like a really raw player, but I thought he had pretty good numbers in the G League. Yeah, so he did. I was, you know, quietly surprised and. He would kind of fit exactly what the Cavs need, that tweener, you know, the tweener mm-hmm. forward role and had some stretch uh, ability and shot free throws decently. So, and you got to remember those G League guys play with the NBA three-point line, so you got to give them a little bit more credit for shooting further than some of the college guys with good numbers. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. For sure. So what do you make of the uh, two uh, undrafted pickups? We got, I think, Craig Porter Jr., uh, and a Nance boy. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think Porter Jr. could be a player. Um, they signed him with the two-way, so he probably will spend some time in Canton or the, with the charge, I guess. So Yeah, it's the Cleveland charge now. Yeah, now it's the <laughs> Cleveland charge. Um, but then the Nance deal, that was interesting. I think Nance had uh, – Pete Nance had a little bit of higher pedigree coming out. He played at UNC, obviously, instead of Wyoming like Larry did. So – It'll be interesting. Obviously, he shot the ball pretty well before he transferred to UNC, so he might be a developmental stretch big for the Cavs as well. Yeah, I, I, I really, I'm a little less high on Craig Porter Jr. It's interesting that they two. So, would you say that two way contract as opposed to Nance is that kind of a vote of confidence? Would you say? Yeah, because I think Nance only has like an A10 exhibit deal. Okay. Yeah, so that's why I think there's a little bit more confidence that, you know, Porter is a sure thing, or I guess at least higher initially from the evaluation standpoint. From gotcha. Is, with with that two-way contract, so is um, is do the Cavs have flexibility as far as if, okay, say, you know, hypothetically, you know, they like Nance and they're, they cool off on Porter Jr., um, is it that onerous of a change to make if they wanted to offer a two-way to Nance as opposed to, you know, how permanent is that two-way deal is what I, I'm trying to get at. I don't think it is. Yeah, I think you can swap that out pretty decently. Gotcha. Um, there is obviously some happens. financial ramification, but I think overall it's fine. And I think the Cavs actually still technically have a two-way open. Um, okay. I could be wrong on that. But I thought it was they, it was just Craig Porter and Isaiah, and I think you get three this year. Gotcha. Right. It's because of the new CBA. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Right on. Well, uh, I think that covers the draft here. We'll take a break right now and we'll come back with some uh, Cavs free agency. We'll be right back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Cavs the podcast. Uh, it is the Korean takeover. Uh, Chris and Eli in the house. Shout out to Nate, who's uh, enjoying some time off, uh, well-earned time off. Uh, and we just covered the draft. Now we are in the midst of uh, free agent season. It just kicked off last week, I believe, um, last Friday. Um, here we are sitting at Wednesday, July 5th in the evening. Um, deals have not become official yet, but we have heard of a few things uh, that are in the offing by, I think, Friday is when they become official. So mm -hmm. um, the first move was, if I'm not mistaken, the first move was uh, George, uh, Georges Niang. Yep. Okay. Uh he is a um, he's a grizzled vet, um, I believe. I'm not sure if he came in. I think he may have been an undrafted that came into the league undrafted. Um, played with 
uh, Donovan Mitchell for a bit in Utah. Did some time in Utah. Came over to um, the Philadelphia 76ers. Was a staple of their rotation for a bit. Um, and now uh, a free agent who is just uh, just signed with the Cavs. So what's your take? What's your reaction to uh, Georges Niang to the Cavs? Yeah, I think he fits a need that was vacated with the loss of Kevin Love. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good shooter. Great. I mean, a great stretch big, but he kind of doesn't do anything else. <laughs> uh, he doesn't play defense. He's not a great rebounder. He's kind of undersized, but he plays a lot of four because he's, his, he's not very mobile. Um, but that being said, he definitely fits a need. He, he, the Cavs probably have the defensive infrastructure to, you know, mitigate his uh, cement shoes, as the fans <laughs> in Philly called him. Um, that's but, not a that's not a uh, overstatement either. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah, but it's um, you know he's he's an f- interesting guy because he like talks trash and he like gives the Cavs kind of that, you know that that dog mentality uh, for lack of a better term, and obviously. Well, they need it, right? Yeah. I think they, and I think it's a good thing that obviously Donovan Mitchell uh, is, it was one of the, his favorite players to play with um, during his time at Utah. So all those factors, um, you know, make for a good recipe of uh, success for his signing. Um, Despite the defensive limitations, I will say this personally in a vacuum, I think this was a pretty, not a huge overpay, but, I thought he'd be closer to like six, seven million dollars a year. So getting almost nine million is a lot. But I think as we go through this trend, we'll see that the Cavs have to overpay a little bit um, in free agency to get the guys that they want. So, oh yeah, uh, what's your yeah. take on it? I, I, I no, I totally agree with you. I think there's a tax that Cleveland will have to pay to get any free agents, especially any mildly sought after free agents such as a Georges Niang. Um, I was really a big fan of Niang, um, until like I'm friends with a trill bro dude of the, you know, ball, uh, podcast. He's a Sixers guy. Of course, if, if any of you, uh, sickos out there know, um, deep, uh, online basketball lore or whatever, um, he hated him, uh, just because of that defense, <laughs> uh, you know, cement shoes was definitely the MO. Um, I, you know, it, it's a, it's a move. I totally agree with you. I think there's a calculation that this Cavs front office made that he's an elite shooter and we can make up for his defensive inefficiencies with, um, Mobley or Jared Allen. Um, and I also think, you know, uh, and I also think the fact that he had a rapport, a previous rapport with um, Donovan Mitchell, I think that's actually low-key huge. Um, I didn't know that that uh, Spida was that big of a fan of him. So if Spida's a fan, I, I'm going to get on board with this. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to we mentioned the Kings, you know, the guy I really wanted – and who signed for a reasonable amount, and who I think the Cavs could maybe should have tried to. I want to know if there was ever an attempt. I wish there was an insider that would uh, shed light on it. But Trey Lyles, that's who I wanted. Uh, you know, I think he's three, four years younger. 
He's finally learned how to shoot in the NBA. I think he's a little bit more mobile. I think uh, he has a little bit more draft pedigree. You know, I like the young legs. I think he outplayed. I think he completely outplayed uh, um, Domitas Sabonis uh, in that playoff series against the against the um, Warriors. So that I fell in love with his play uh, over that series, and uh, and the fact that he signed. I think he signed close to what you were saying, which was six seven mil. Uh, I think well, I want to say it was like two years, nine million. Uh, so uh, four or five million a year. So you know that that was my love affair. Um, do you think? Uh, so you know, it's clear that the Cavs were there was a clear need for a stretch for um, stretch for type. You know, whatever um, playing that that big forward position. Uh, what's your take about them going this route as opposed to trying to do a sign and trade with some of the more sought after uh, power forwards out there, such as a PJ Washington or Grant Williams, who apparently just recently got traded? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the Cavs were very set on Struess for some reason. Um, as you know, spoiler that ha- looks like that's happening, um, <laughs> but. I just I don't get it. And to your point about Trey Lyles, I actually really like Trey Lyles' fit for the Cavs too, because the Cavs kind of even in this free agency, they're they've kind of been targeting guys who play the two, three, or four and can kind of shoot. But I think they should be targeting a four and five who can shoot. Um, and try Trey Lyles could have would have fit that bill much better. Yeah, I think he's um, a, I think he's a few inches taller than uh, yeah, a few inches Yang. taller than Yang. Yeah, and. Um, Look, I, I think um, I really do. I do hope that the you know the locker room and the camaraderie with Donovan Mitchell. I hope that all those reports are true because if it is, then you know any number is worth it to keep Mitchell happy and wanting to work. Uh, you know, stay in Cleveland long term. So, if uh, that being said, I think Niang was you know uh, if it's a need, but kind of counterintuitively through the draft. He's one of the signings that is a really low ceiling signing, in my opinion. He's like, for baseball analogy, he's like a guy that will never strike out a bunch of players, but he'll get you innings and put you in position. You know, he won't lose you any games, but he's not going to win you any games either. Um, that's kind of what I feel. Yeah. yeah, he's an innings eater. So that's kind of what I feel that Niang is like. And he can put, he's in the league. He's going to be in the league for a long time because he's, he's tall and can shoot the three. So. Nice, nice. So you did spoil the second move, but that's okay. Max Struess uh, to the Cavs in a sign and trade. Uh, a an interesting player because you know I, the Heat made that incredible run through the playoffs this off season or this this postseason rather. Uh, and obviously, he was a he was a contributor to that. Um, but he was a guy who was not exactly, you know, he, he was in and out of their lineup. If I recall correctly, I don't follow, I didn't follow the heat very much during the regular season, but I know from talking with other heat fans that he was a guy that was somewhat inconsistent, somewhat in and out of the lineup, uh, in, in, the, in and out of the starter lineup. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, um, 
uh, acquitted himself in the playoffs a bit and uh, got that payday. You know, he he secured that bag. So, what's your take on the Strew sign and trade? What's your take on giving up Chetty for uh, for the rights to sign him? Look, um, I think personally, I feel like this was a massive overpay. Um, might be the biggest overpay for like the player who should have gotten the mid level deal. I would have much preferred, you know, going for Grant Williams, going for PJ Washington, going for, you know, Christian Wood. Um, even if those guys don't play the two and three, um, I just think that those guys have more upside and fit. Um, but that being said, I know that you're also pretty negative. So I came prepared with some facts that I think are positives. There um, we go. So I will. <laughs> I will read off some of these notes that I took on why I think, uh, you know, the Cavs did this move. And I, it's really interesting because I think the national media guys, I think it's like no one absolutely hates it. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, that's a lot of money, but he fits a need. He fits a need. And here's a couple of stats that I think, you know, I'm not trying to sway you, but this was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, Max Struess shot uh, was in the 80th percentile of corner three-pointers. He was uh, in the top 85 percentile of three-point foul rate and the 95th percentile of three-point attempts and the 85th percentile of three-point shot making and then the, almost the 90th percentile of perimeter shooting. His numbers, raw numbers, he shot 35% from three last year, which, you know, on the surface doesn't look great. He took a lot of attempts, though, and according to some um, advanced analytics, he had the 10th, yes, the 10th percentile of shot quality from three. So the fact that he was still able to shoot 35% while having like a bottom 10 shot quality in terms of shots that he took from the three-point line and still shoot that type of percentage, I think is encouraging because when you look at the Cavs, Players like Okoro, Osman, they both got 87th percentile or better in terms of their looks. So I do think Struis' shooting might be a touch hammer too much when you look at the raw numbers that way. But I, on the flip side, where I can't like deny, I think his defensive reputation is wildly overrated. I think he might be cement shoes light. Um, <laughs> and But for some reason, he's kind of described as a you know, a passable or decent wing defender, which I just don't think is the case based on the metrics I see. Um, yeah. But it's look, I think culture tax. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, the facts are the facts. He started, I think 30 something games and he did play better as a starter than as a non-starter. Um, he averaged almost 14 and a half points as a starter. Wow. Um, so Look, if he can bring anywhere near that production as a starter on this Cavs team, I think that'd be huge. Um, because that three spot for the Cavs have always has always been weird. Where you know you got a Coro who be lucky to crack ten points a game, or you got Levert who just plays like a different player when he was in that starting lineup for whatever reason. Because he, I think there's just too much. You know, it's your turn, my turn with Garland and and Mitchell. Um, which is not his fault as a player. So that being said, I, I think I get the why they made that move, but I still don't necessarily agree that it was the best 
use of their resources and allocation. I would have much rather done the Grant Williams deal that happened tonight, which was just the full mid-level exception, and they had to give up two second-round picks. Um, the Mavs, which is exa- and then about ten million of salary, which is exactly what the Cavs gave up, but also are paying Max Struess about ten million dollars more over the life of the contract. So I get why they did it, but it's not a deal that I'm super ecstatic for. How about that? Yeah, I think yeah, I you know I think. I co-sign everything you're saying there. I think the interesting thing for me, to me, is a philosophical thing about, I think it's clear that Chetty is the more well-rounded player. And Struess is basically a sniper at the expense of everything else. And which is exact, which is going to help the team more. And I think... The interesting thing to me is, and I'll throw it back to you, is that, you know, you had, uh, you had, um, it's funny because everybody wants to say, uh, you know, all, all the, uh, all the, um, the pro, shall we say the uh, pro Cavs uh, moves, pro Kobe propagandists, uh, no, no disrespect, uh, would love to say, you know, look at the, look at the Denver Nuggets, you know, look at the continuity they have, look at how they built the team together. Well, it's interesting that that's the citation for everybody because we just had Michael Malone say in a press conference during these playoffs that one-trick ponies don't see the court in the playoffs, which is, to me, what both Struess and Niang are. They're one-trick ponies. They're not going to give you any playmaking. They're not going to give you any defense. They're just going to give you elite shooting. So, you know, what, where, what say you about the idea about having more versatile players in the playoffs versus going with a guy who's a specialist um, that might um, raise the ceiling of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the Cavs already have kind of the the well-rounded guys in Mitchell, Garland, and, you know, to some degree Mobley right now. So I can understand why they're looking for that, you know, one-trick pony, quote-unquote, I think the best scenario is that you have a two-trick pony, you know, a three and D guy that fills kind of the other spots, but that skill set is obviously extremely coveted. Um, so, you know, this might be similar to the Laurie Markkinen situation where the Cavs traded Larry Nance, who was a little bit more, you know, a you know, master of all jack of all trades, master of none. Yep. Where he had a very wide skill set, but he wasn't a good enough shooter to be a sniper. And his defense, while good, wasn't like exceptionally great at shutting down wings or shutting down power forwards. So this move does kind of remind me of the Laurie Markkinen trade. Where I like that analogy right there. Yeah, they're going for like, if, you know, if anything else, we need shooting. So let's get let's make it so that this cements three guys in the starting lineup that can shoot. And... We already have the hardest part, which is getting the well-rounded guys, um, albeit our, the Cleveland guys are kind of small. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's it's just banking on Evan Mobley to continue to develop. And I think it's, you know, I think you, you can't do everything you want. No team is perfect and has, you know, five starters that can do everything well. So I get the team-building aspect and component of this. But 
it does make me wonder, like, why can't the Cavs ever just find a guy who's over six foot five for this spot? Because <laughs> they just keep they just keep trying all these guys who are not a you know big wing. They're all these guys who are like just big enough to play the two and three. And <laughs> and I think the Cavs surprisingly had the most success um, before injuries ravaged it when they played like a normal or bigger sized dude at the three to just really help their defense and shout out to you know, Dean Wade, baby. Yeah. I mean, secretly I'm hoping Dean Wade makes a full recovery and, and can be that starter. Um, so that's the dream. That's, baby. that's my, uh, that's my take on kind of how this team building thing happened. But if I have to flip it back to you, I mean, would you agree that Struess was probably like fifth or sixth on your list in terms of that money slot? Um, with the mid-level exception, I guess, or was it even lower for you? Um, no, I think that's fair. I think, you know, to me, so two guys that I mentioned, you know, uh, two guys that I mentioned, well, the, the big one was Herb Jones. You know, that was my love affair at the three. Um, and he was signed for about $10 million less. I think he signed for the mid-level exception, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 54, um, I think, over yeah. four. And Austin Reeves as well, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Now, granted, yep. you know, I think I buy the I buy the counterpoint that I buy the counterpoint that it was going to be harder to pry those guys in a sign and trade. So, uh, you know, I accept that reality. But um, you know, I do you think? I mean, to me, I'll answer. I, I hate to answer it with a question, but I mean. Well, how sought after was Max Struess? Yeah, know, that's could, a, that's... could the Cavs have been more patient, you know, in this process and wait for more chips to fall, wait for possibly more opportunities? Because, you know, we'll get into it later, but we've got a lot of moving parts right now that have not settled. We've got James Harden out there possibly moving. We've got uh, Damian Lillard possibly moving, you know, so there's moving parts out there. And opportunities might come about. So I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't know. Do you think they could have been more patient? Yeah, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think my theory is that the Cavs are going to somehow be roped into um, the Dame Lillard trade to Miami because of the outgoing salary that they would want to use to receive more junk contracts or something around the league. Um. But yeah, I, I agree. I just don't think there was a huge market for uh, Max Strus. So I don't get why the Cavs were in a rush to get this thing done like as soon as possible. Um, look, maybe they thought they had to, and you know, it's been reported from Chris Fedor that he was their number one priority, and that's why they were willing to go over the MLE and over. Um, you know, they they essentially use whatever room they have between the luxury tax and. Um, the mid-level exception to go make this move. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was a good use of the cap. I can't deny that. Um, but is it the right player? I think if the Cavs had done this for like Grant Williams or, um, you know, any of the guys, Herb Jones, Austin Reeves, any of those players, that would have been a grand slam off season. Um, but I think the fact that the Cavs, for some whatever reason, weren't shooting for the stars and went for this move instead. Um, that's you know what the path they chose, and it's what they're going to have to live with if even if something else shakes out later. Because you can, 
one thing you can't do as an, any organization in the NBA is to renege on a, you know, proposed deal that you're negotiating in the moratorium, which I think is stupid on its own too. Just let them be official on July one or whatever the day is. Like what's this whole, let's wait three more days until the officialness happens. So Adam Silver's NBA. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of my take on, uh, you know, I think the Cavs could have been more patient, but I guess the risk is you don't get any of those guys then um, in the true. end, right? So, yeah, no, well said. And with that, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. This is Chris Francis along here with my Korean brother, Eli Kim. This is the Korean takeover of Cavs the Podcast. And we are going on uh, free agency part two, Cavs free agency part two. Um, we have uh, my boy, Karis LeVert. Karis, shout out to you. You survived. You're back with the Cavs on a really good deal. Two years, I think 32 million. Is that right? Does yep. that sound right? 60 million a year. Yep. So, yeah. Um, incredible deal. Honestly, it, the best move of free agency. Let's, let's just be honest right now. It, it was the best move of free agency. Uh, you know, there was guys such as, um, he, he's better than, you know, I, I was just better than Struess. Better than Struess. That's right. He's better than Mark. You know, two of the, two of the guys that I comped him to, to my friends while I was bragging about my boy Karis was uh, Marcus Smart and uh, Dylan Brooks uh, of um, Houston Rockets fame, apparently. So we had, uh, I believe they're on $80 million deals um, uh, with uh, Memphis and Houston, respectively. And if you take a look at the stats, um, Karis clears both of them easily. So... You know, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I've already said it's the home run free agent uh, move of the summer for the Cavs. Uh, how about you? Uh, do, do I send some begrudging love from my uh, brother Eli here? <laughs> Who cares? No, I think I think it was a great deal for the Cavs. I think that number was less than I thought, especially for a two year deal. I thought if they were going to go shorter, they'd have to maybe even flip with twenty up. million. Yep. Um, so I think it is a little interesting that they're purposely lining that up with Mitchell's deal, um, possibly, um, because the Cavs still won't have caps, or yeah, I guess they so, would have caps. So space. yeah, what's your theory about that? He took a he took. See, it seems like he could have gotten, you know, probably like a Bruce Brown deal, you know, out there maybe, you know, because the cap spike and you know, just inflation, you know, uh, mm -hmm. free agency inflation and such or whatever. Um, what's your theory about him taking, it seems like, a short deal and less money than you'd think the market would bear? Yeah, I think he was I think he was being team-friendly by taking the shorter deal. I think the Cavs, I, think, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what the Cavs are trying to do. They're trying to keep, if Mitchell were to leave um, and, um, you know, opt out or be a free agent, and then this Levert money comes off, they would still probably have a lot of cap space because it'd be right before the Mobley inspection kicks in. They probably would wait, um, you know, do the smart thing, fill up the cap with everyone else, and then give Mobley the big money deal after that year. So that being said, um, I think Levert 
to his word, took a team-friendly deal. Um, and even myself as a critic, I think that was – I think $16 million for two years was a pretty team-friendly deal. He probably could have gotten closer to twenty. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it was a big move that the Cavs were able to kind of get that because it definitely opened the window for all the other deals. If Levert takes um, – $20 million instead, you're either paying Struess or Niang $4 million less between those two guys to do the rest of the offseason. So, yeah, you're probably getting, you're, you're not getting Yang then. It sounds like. Yeah, you're probably just getting Struess and maybe, you know, someone out, someone sm- not as good as Niang. But, um, so, you know, for that, you have to be appreciative to Levert. We love a team player, don't we? Of course. <laughs> you know, and I think, and I think he found something at the end of the year, you know, with, with his shot. I think he finally got comfortable. It, you know, maybe he's just, you know, a little bit of a late bloomer, you know, little slow to learn the system or whatever. But I, I felt like after that horrendous February, he really just kind of took off and, uh, and kind of really solidified himself. Yeah, I think the underrated part of his game was he learned to be a good spot of shooter to close out the year. And I think he'll yep. need to continue to be that if he wants to play uh, a lot with Mitchell and Garland. Yep. So, well, and I think so, um, projecting out here a little bit, I mean, I'm guessing we both think that Struess is in line to start at the three. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I correct in assuming that for me? Yeah, I would think for that type of level of money and the fact that the Cavs probably played their best ball when Levert was a sixth man, that that's probably the plan to start the year. Um, but, you know, I think it's always fluid. If Struess is not playing well, I think the Cavs have shown, even as recent as last year, they're willing to you know play whoever makes the most sense there. So I think Indeed. Levert or Struess will be the starter. Um, I don't think it's really – up to anyone else? Uh, no, Acora. You don't. You don't think? Uh, I guess Acora has a chance, but I think it's just been hard to trust him at all. I think it's like two years in a row where they have can't play him. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think, I think if he if I had to put money on it, it'd definitely be Struess and then Levert and then probably with a big gap between them for Acora and Dean Wade. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the the gap is that big for Coro, definitely for Wade, unfortunately, I think. Um nor do I agree with that necessarily. Um it's just talk about my, my okay, my my I guess the uh segue or or just a little aside about my what grinds my gears about JB Bickerstaff. Aborting like you spent so much time with a Coro at the 3 with the starters only to abort it, it from the first instance that it actually gets real like what what the hell is that about like come on yeah. man yep he should have stuck with him in the next series he actually had really good plus minus numbers in that series so just kind of <laughs> odd that he went away from it but he got psyched out apparently yeah Probably just the mental image of him missing like three wide open corner threes. <laughs> no, that is deflating. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. That was, I mean, just, you know, he's bricking it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Moving on. Sorry. Okay. So I got my, I got my JB jab in. Uh, <laughs> um, 
we also have a couple more free agency acquisitions in Ty Jerome and Damian Jones. Um, yep. Well, Damian Jones was a trade, was it not? Um, Correct. Yeah. And uh, was Jerome a free agency pickup? Jerome will be a free agent. They have to do a little bit creative math. Um, oh, it was a re- he was it, it was a restrictive free agency thing, right? Correct. But the Cavs had to go slightly above the minimum because the Warriors are above the second apron, and they're not allowed to sign guys for any anyone anything except the minimum. So. Jerome wow. benefits and gets so a slightly. So the CBA is totally screwed. Yeah, Warriors out of Ty Jerome resigning yep. Ty Jerome. Mm-hmm. So they get the Cavs do a smart thing and get uh, Ty Jerome for you know just a couple bucks, a couple I think a hundred thousand dollars over the vet pro rate of vet minimum for him, <laughs> and then uh, the Warriors are literally it would be an illegal transition transaction for them to resign him. So. All right. Thank you, CJ McCollum and Grant Williams. I'll defend you against the slander that I've <laughs> I've heard piled on you guys for the CBA. Yeah, yeah. And now uh I guess I do want to talk a little bit about Damien Jones. Yeah, do, obviously yeah. So yeah, do you like so do you like these acquisitions? What do you think about these guys? I really like Ty Jerome. He's a he's a big point guard, can shoot. And it makes me wonder a little bit. He's definitely probably a Rubio hedge um, to some degree. Oh, I Maybe. totally agree. Yeah. Because um, it's a two-year deal for Jerome reportedly. Oh, it is? Um, yeah. So two years I, guaranteed? I, um, is I'm that not, second year I'm not guaranteed? sure about that. Oh, okay. But it's at least – I the structure is at least two. Um, but for Damian Jones, I'm actually – I think that's just the flyer on a big guy who was a former first round pick. Um, I don't think he's ever, he's not probably not going to play, but he's probably better than Robin Lopez is. He fits the system better as like an athletic rim running big versus a guy who can't move his feet um, at all. So, <laughs> um, I, I get don't it. get the, I don't get the Damian Jones love that I've seen. Yeah. All. I think, I don't think he deserves any love. I think he's just like, he is what he is. He's a fourth. He's a third center or fourth or fifth big, and you use him with your your centers out just to get rebounds and you know not mess up and, all the and other to guys take from some playing. Fouls, to to yeah. hammer somebody with fouls. That's what I see him as. And he's you have to you just play him because you don't want everyone to play his position up, right? So. No, I, I totally agree with you. I love the Ty Jerome pickup. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a, I think it's a kind of a twofer um, in terms of a hedge against Rubio and also picking up a skill set that Rubio kind of lacked in terms of spot up shooting and being able to play the two. You know, um, I think Neto was a guy who kind of needed the ball in his hands in order to be effective offensively. Um, whereas I don't think Jerome necessarily needs the ball in his hands. Um, I think he, I think he can spot up and, and, and launch it from three. So, uh, but also, yeah. And, but also still play make. So, um, no, I love that Ty Jerome and also he's a national champion. Shout out to the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if he's boys with DQ. I think he was on a team with DQ as a matter of fact. Uh, on that squad. Um, I think Kyle Guy was on that squad too. So 
interesting that uh, apparently Kobe has a bit of a thing for uh, Virginia boys. So yeah, and interesting enough, just as we wrap up the Cavs agency, Cavs signed like what three guys from Mark Bartlestein. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, what was that about? It's and I think it's it's really funny because I think Bartlestein's getting a lot of hate this year because anytime he had a deal with Woj, Woj would always be like, Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports is his client, blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, I will never forget who Mark Bartlestein is anymore based on this <laughs> offseason. So you know that Woj has an in with that group and Shams has it with other groups. So oh, it's is, so is there a see. little rivalry you're saying? Is it a swap so. rivalry between Woj and Shams? Yeah, I think that's I think that's like the new move. Like an agent has to align with who they deliver the news with. So um, it'll be... Sounds like vertical integration to me. I feel like this stuff should be illegal. Yeah, it's all tampering, legal tampering anyway. <laughs> so I think it was interesting this year that in free agency, teams kind of waited. Like you didn't have every deal happen at, you know, right at noon or whatever, or 6 p.m. Oh, is that so? Yeah, I feel like there was like a little 15 minute window where like everyone's like, who's going to be the first deal to announce? Yeah, uh, I think. Do you think that's because of the hanging issue of Harden and Dame? I think some of it is, but also I just think that, you know, this year there's only 58 picks in the draft. So teams got hammered for, you know, tampering. And I think, I think everyone's like, I think everyone's like, let's not even like take a risk here and, you know, just do the deals that look as clean as possible. I also thought it was really where the Cavs, Struce deal was like not confirmed until the next day. Yeah, that was weird. So it was interesting seeing the reporting on that because there was a gentleman on on Twitter who had called the deal like a day before, but everybody everybody seemed to poo poo that source um, as illegitimate. But he turned out uh, he turned out to be correct. He the only thing he got wrong was he was. He was he overestimated the deal by one million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. I don't know, uh, you know, if you have a take on it or, or what's your reaction to kind of how that went down. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because I thought that was a huge number, and we were everyone was like, even some of the Cavs personalities were like, I hope that number is wrong because it's just really big for Struce. And then ended up being almost spot on. So the joke was on all of us, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, so going back to the Struce thing for a second, it was interesting that the comps that Chris Fedor in his article um, had offered were were a, a cornucopia of bad contracts. Yeah. Um, it was like Tim Hardaway Jr., Duncan Robinson, you know. So. So to me, it's like, I don't know. I mean, like that's, it, it doesn't give you a good feeling. I, I mean, what's your sense of, you know, I, do you, do you have more hope for Max Struess? You know, is there, you know, what do you make of it? You know, I'm, I'm pessimistic. I think I really, <laughs> I really hope it works out though. I'm hope I'm proven wrong, but I just feel like, the burning image of my head is Struce not being able to guard Bruce Brown, and oh, was like, he the one that got smoked on that three point? No, and then game? the 
the Derek White tip in was on Struess. Like, oh god, just yeah. those plays are just burned in my mind, and I think it just really hurts that. You know, I think ironically, all three me, you, and Nate all had different players we wanted. Um, I think you know you were pretty big on Herb Jones, but you do admit that it was probably not realistic with the re- restricted free agency. I think Nate's been kind of on the Christian Wood train for this whole time. Mm-hmm. And you know me, my player was Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, How and, so? Uh, let's. Uh, I don't know if you know offhand, but w- let's take those three players in. Uh, let's compare Niang, Wood, and uh, Wood, uh, Wood, Niang, and I'm sorry, Williams. Um, I'm guessing that Williams and Wood are far superior rebounders. Am I, am I correct in that assumption? Um, I think so. Yeah. Oh, compared to Struess? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously compared to Struess, I think, well, Chetty was a better rebounder than Struess. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying exactly. to, yeah, it, which is disturbing because Chetty's not a good rebounder. <laughs> mm-hmm. For his size, he's like one of the worst. Right, exactly. So for being you, a legit six seven, he's like one of the worst rebounders. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of the thing that bothers me ultimately about this free agency uh, for the Cavs is they didn't solve an obvious need that was there and and was highlighted in that Knicks series, which was defensive rebounding. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I think. Um, Maybe they're thinking that they'll play a different way to rebound, but they just need to fix the shooting so much more. I mean, that's possible. Because you got to remember, the Cavs, despite not looking great against the Knicks' offense and, you know, flaming out, there's no way to hide that. Their defense was actually still solid, even with the rebounding issues. Um, but their offense was just so atrocious that they couldn't, they just literally couldn't win. They didn't score enough points in any games except for one to win so no that's a great I, point i mean i just they feel didn't, like they know. didn't lose that series because of their defense even with exactly. the atrocious, even with the atrocious rebound mm-hmm. so i think that's their calculus on taking the next step here um but that being said i do agree that you would have thought that maybe they'd get at least one positive rebounder on in this offseason right Damian Jones, I guess our, <laughs> our faith is in you, huh? Yeah, but I mean, if Damian Jones is playing a big role, I think a lot has gone wrong. Though. <laughs> well, I hate to end the segment on a bad note, but with that, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. Chris Francis here with my homie, Elijah Kim, and it is the Korean Takeover of Cavs the podcast we have covered a bit of draft and free agency for the Cavs and now we're moving on to possibly our favorite portion uh slop season for the NBA free agency period uh shout out to Trill Bro Dude of the You Know Ball podcast uh love you homie uh so what kind of slop do we got going on here what uh what kind of moves have uh, intrigued you? What's what's picture piqued your interest? Um, what are you uh, hoping for? How hoping to see? Just tell me, you know, what are your vibes for this uh, free agency period right now? 
yeah, I think everyone's still waiting. I think that's the ir- ir- irony of this uh, free agency trade period. Wait, we're slop starved? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't think we're starved, but this is an endless buffet and the main course <laughs> is yet to arrive. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think what's going to happen, this is my theory. I think all this, all the moves that have kind of happened, they're all going to be delayed a little bit more until the Dame trade, um, Dame and or Dame and Harden trade, uh, you know, kind of get put so, together. So let's start off with Dame. So we know he wants to go to Miami. Um, we know that he's under contract for a really long time. Yeah, four years. Um, we've heard inklings that Portland doesn't feel obligated to do him any favors in terms of getting him to Miami. So what do you make of all that? Like, do you see him in Miami? Do you see him somewhere else? Um, and uh, who do you think is involved if, he, uh, if they have to involve more teams in this? Yeah, I think, I think uh, Miami is the... Is going to be the final destination. I just don't you do. see how. You think he, you think he's going to end up on Miami? I do, and I think what will happen is the Heat are going to have to give up everything, but it's still going to work somehow. They'll find a way. I think Hero will be on a different team other than the Trailblazers, and I think the Blazers will also get off of a couple of bad, you know, bad contract or two. So I think I could see them getting off of like Nasir Little and probably your uh, Nurkic's deal um, mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. just so they could even take back more assets and salary from you know the other teams involved. So what what is giving up everything look like for Miami? Well, I think it's you know Hero goes to another team, which brings more assets um, to the Trailblazers. I think they they're going to get Caleb Martin. I think. The, Ooh, you think Caleb Martin's gone? You, you think they'll they'll give it up, huh? I think they'll have to. I just don't see how Portland does a deal without him. Um, and then I think they'll definitely get the remainder of the picks that are available to trade, which is a 20, 2028 first round pick, a 2029 swap, and a 2030 first round pick. My ha- um, Miami has a, a, a decent amount. Of, like, they have pretty much all of their own, right? Like, I don't think they owe any. No, I actually don't do think so. I don't yeah. think they have any of their control of their picks until 28 or 27, I guess. And then, Oh, really? How, how yeah. is that? Who the heck did they give that? I forget. But, um, wow, that's surprising. I thought they had a lot of picks to, to play with, but interesting. No, so that's why everyone said the, the Nets might um, – be the better, the better um, selection. Um, Who, who's? What are the teams? And what are the teams that are realistically competing? I think it's the Nets and the Spurs. And the Spurs. I think the other think dark horse legit, team. Huh? I think the other dark horse team is the Jazz. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now with I'm guessing okay, so we know that the Spurs and Jazz, they have picks galore. So that would be the that would be the end game there. Um yep. is it that is that is the same true with the Nets? Well, I think the Nets got back some picks um in the KD trade. So they have like all the Suns picks. Um which obviously the value of those is pretty low low. But um I do think the Nets kind of smartly locked up Cam Johnson so they can't trade him. Um, 
but they can offer kind of, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, anyone, and I'm sure anyone but Claxton, Bridges, um, and and uh, Cam Johnson kind of is available from a Nets perspective. Sure. Yep. Yep. And then, ironically, they might have to, they might get rid of Ben Simmons' contract to uh, make it work financially. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crazy rumors out there right now about this deal. Uh, one, one, deal that I saw that makes some sense is that Ben the Nets are the third team. They don't get Dame, but they get off of Benson's contract just to have big salary filler out there. Um, and the Blazers ultimately end up with Simmons. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. So that's something I saw. Um, you know, that's a, and obviously I think the Nets would give up a c- couple first round picks in that scenario. Cause then they get, in that scenario, I believe the Nets were going to get like Caleb Martin and um, some additional assets. So wow, that sounds like they're trying to turn into Toronto. Uh, yeah, the US just team or, wing. Yeah, team wing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really ironic because the Nets also took like two wings in this draft. So um, oh, did they? Yeah. Who did so, they take? Do you know? They had a couple late first round picks. Um, let's see here. A hot googling action here. That's right. It is time. We finally have reached that point. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tom Pestak. Now, give me one second here. I'm not as good as uh, other people at this googling <laughs> action. So. so, yeah, Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead. Oh, oh, they took Derek Whitehead. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. there. Go Duke, the Brotherhood. Right on. Yeah, so that's two more wings to add to their stable of. Uh, they almost have a ten pack of wings, man. So my God, you'd think that the Cavs could pilfer one of these guys. Yeah, like Royce or uh, Dorian Finney, maybe. Yeah, Finney now we're talking. I like that. Dorian fits really. I mean, both those guys fit. I think Dorian actually fits better than Royce, despite Royce's best friendship with Spider, just because he's like six seven, six eight, and he sure rebounds yep. a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But um, do that you being said, so? What, is there a pathway for the Cavs to get involved? And I, if the if the Cavs get involved, who does that involve? Does that involve Jared Allen? Mm, I don't think that's going how they'll be involved. I I genuinely think if it's the Heat, that was Drew Steele will get involved. Okay. As outgoing salary. Okay. And then, ironically, if if he goes to the Spurs, it could also be involved with the. Uh, with the Lamar Stevens and Jetty Osmond component of the deal too. So okay. just a lot of, a lot of moving. Those are the two teams that it could happen to. And those that Struce deal will probably get intertwined with the, the Lillard trade, no matter what then. Now are these teams operating under that July 7th deadline or can they wait? Can they, can they extend that deadline out to facilitate any moves? Like um, can can the Cavs I, hold off on making these things official to facilitate? I think they can hold. I don't see why they they wouldn't be forced to do it on July seventh. Okay. What what I know they can't renege on is they can't be like, hey, Struce, because because of this, you're going to get paid less. I know that's not possible because gotcha. that would just be such a reputational hit that um like no team would ever deal with them. You know? Absolutely right. Right. So. Which is funny because that's been brought up a lot for the Jeremy Grant deal that he got with with the assumption that Lillard was staying. So, 
Oh, what is there? Is there rumors that they want to renege or? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Brian Windhorse's podcast talked about reneging on it. Not from him, but the other guests on his show. So. <laughs> wow. But wow. he's like, no, they can't do that. No, they can't do that. No, they're not going to do that. Wow. So. Wow. That is crazy. I, I mean, like, because, well, it's interesting. Like, do you think so? There's no chance. Is there any chance that Jeremy Grant moves because of this? You know, that's a good question. If they like convert him to a sign and trade deal, right? Yeah, but I think you can't do a five year sign and trade deal. Oh, much. okay. So I think that's where it gets complicated. Like, Jeremy Grant would have to agree to take four years only, I think. Gotcha. And actually, he would probably have to agree to take less salary as a result, I would assume, right? Yeah, because you can't get the full raises then. So, like, your average would still go down. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because what helps you get to 160 is that every year you get, like, the 8.5% bird right raise, right? So, what that last year, you don't get that max, like, $45 million number at the end of the thing. My God. how I mean, like, for a dude that doesn't really do anything well, but just be yeah. tall. My goodness. But he's, you know, he can shoot a little bit. He can play a little defense. He does. He's just versatile. Of, yeah, I'll give him that. Jack of all trades, master of none. Interesting. Yeah, just a tall, yeah. taller Larry Nance who actually plays 80 games. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, Zion, what do, you, what do you think there? Like, do you, do you, uh, do you have any uh, feeling about that? I think the rumors of him getting traded were legitimate. Really? For the Trailblazers pick if Portland wanted it. But I think Portland was looking at it as like, we don't think Dame wants to stay here. So why would we preemptively risk doing something like this? And then on the Portland side or the New Orleans side, they were the number one seed when Zion and Ingram were healthy. And they fell off a cliff because of injuries, but... I just think you have to try to run it back and try to recapture the, what you had there. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like New Orleans should try to weather the storm, like unless there's a, like I mean, unless I don't, I don't know. I mean, like that's that's you know, it seems like that's what should be done, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think you can't give up on your two young guys that you've had only play like what sixty games together because of injury, both of them being injury prone. Wow. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. So. Oh, they they played even less as a big three, right? Like yeah. it's something insane, like ten or twenty games or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so crazy. So, how about James Harden? What's your what's your take? What's your feeling there? Does is he a Clipper by the end of the at the end of the at the end of the summer? I just everyone keeps saying that, but I just can't see the 76ers doing that this year because. If you do that trade with the Clippers, you're setting up for, you know, like a max slot next year, right? So you're telling Embiid, hey, we're, we're punting this year. And you're, you're wasting a year after he won the MVP. So my theory is that uh, Harden in the Sixers, they'll rekindle. He'll play out the year because he's not even extension eligible anymore because he opted into the player option. Oh, are you serious? So they can't negotiate an extension right now? I don't believe so. That's what made it like so that's what's so like hard about all this. But I think they'll do this. I think he'll come back and they'll 
have a wink wink agreement that they'll do a sign and trade for him. Or if he wants to stay, they'll give him a big, they'll give him a big number, a number he wants from next year. See, that's the interesting thing to me because it, cause the initial feeling it seemed like was that Maury kind of screwed him over this summer by yeah. not giving him his number. Mm-hmm. Maury was cold-blooded. That's what the Windhorse speculation was like. Okay, okay. Well, you know, the, the, the slop father Windhorse, you could take that to the bank. So Yeah. <laughs> so... And then I just think it's interesting because there are some teams who haven't like done anything um, like notable. Like I think the Bulls are kind of a team that really do hasn't you buy done it? much. So do you buy the rumors about Zach Levine? I think so, but I just don't see how. If if any if Harden does get traded, I could see that being the move. Sure. Yep. For Levine, yeah, just trading trading problems to each other. Indeed. I, although I'd say, you know, I'm I'm. You know, I'm friends with a bunch of uh, Bulls fans. They've kind of, and it's interesting too. The Nets fans who are starved for anybody um, really like Levine. Really? Yes. Yeah. They are. They I are really... big Levine fans. Yeah. I, I feel like he's kind of underrated, apparently, am- among uh, among NBA heads. What say you? Yeah. I thought Levine was really like he was great last like not this most recent year but two years ago I thought he was great like low key I thought he was just as good as Devin Booker two years ago but he's kind of fallen off a cliff um, like taking some stupid like his shot selection just went way down after uh, after that season this past year and I just feel like he and him and DeRozan just have no chemistry together yeah. I, and I think I think what's this is the way a Bulls fan put it was that Lonzo Ball was Zach Levine's brain on the court. I could buy that. So the that that Ball basically put Levine in situations where he didn't have to think; he could just react. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of teams, another team that really hasn't done too much besides lose is the Raptors. Um, they lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing. Um, Siakam is like tanking his trade value because he wants to stay in Toronto, ironically, but he's telling every team that has inquired about him that he won't do an extension if they trade for him. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, Gary Trent opted in, but now I think Masai Ujiri kind of is being cold-blooded and won't give him a number that he wants. Um, and I just think the Raptors' vibes are not good. That's also another surprise potential Dame team, apparently, that Ujiri would do the Kawhi Leonard playbook one more time. Sure. Um, and give up. There's there's rumblings that they would be potentially want to do Scotty Barnes um, in that deal. So wow. that would be the centerpiece of the deal. Honestly, but, they should. Screw Scotty Barnes. Yeah, but I don't know what the rest of that would be, right? It'd be like Scotty Barnes and maybe Gary Trent Jr. and Filler. Um I feel like you'd have to keep Trent Jr. Uh, you have oh, to but keep you need Siakam. the salary. You yeah, need, but yeah. you need to keep Siakam. That's and true. Then you, That's true. You just signed Yaka Poto to a big deal. So. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I think a team that quietly got really good 
a lot better was um, the Mavericks. That's kind of my sleeper team for Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I really like what they did. They picked up, they got off of the Bertans contract, which unlocked a lot of other things for them. Indeed. Um, Although, they, I mean, getting off THJ would probably that that would complete the that would complete the clean uh, clean sweep right there, huh? Yeah, and they got off, you know, not got off, but they basically traded Reggie Bullock for Grant Williams, who I think is probably a better, you know, kind of that traditional three three and d player and uh brings toughness to a team that sorely needs it um they got richwan holmes for like nothing um for you feeling a resurrection year for richwan holmes it'll be interesting because the mavs jason kidd has this weird af- affection for uh for uh dwight powell so I feel like Richwan Holmes two years ago was way better than um, than uh, Dwight Powell. So I don't know if I'm the Mavs. I think you have to re-sign Christian Wood at this point, and you just have you just have to be disciplined and not play Wood, Luca, and Kyrie all together. You only play two. It's like the opposite. You only play two out of three, or your defense is just going to be so bad. Yep. Um, yep. But then now you have Grant Williams who can play with all three of those guys. He fits well with them because he yep. shoots threes and doesn't do anything else on offense, but rebounds and plays D. Yep. And then you got rim runners and Rishwan and I guess Dwight Powell if you're bringing back, and you got shooters and Christian Wood, um, THJ, and Grant Williams. So I think that's Max Cleaver. That's like this, don't forget him. Max Cleaver, and then you got Luca and Kyrie back. So I feel like you got plenty of offense. You just you just needed the role players to play a little bit more D, and I think Grant Williams and Richwine helped that. Yeah, I also think Derek Lively. Um, I know he's young, but that's a live body that's going to play defense right there. Oh yeah, I mean that was a great pickup that they moved back two spots, got off Bertans, and probably got the player they would have taken at ten anyway. Exactly right. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Dallas revival. Very interesting. Let's take a break right now, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cabs the podcast. Chris Francis here with Elijah Kim doing a little slop talk, uh, part two. Um, we just got word that Eli's putting his chips on Dallas, which is interesting. I kind of like it. You know, they did bring Ky- They also got Kyrie back. I don't think they could afford to lose him. Granted, yeah. it, it was ugly at the end of the year. Um, who, so who else, uh, who else is pick what your interest in terms of the moves you've liked from them or, uh, on the flip side, any any teams that uh, any teams that you did not like their moves. Hmm. I think one team that I'm confused on is Charlotte. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um. well, 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 let's let's start off with what did you make of the Brandon Miller versus Scoot decision? I think that was so dumb. <laughs> I just don't, yeah, I think that started like this cascade of just bad. This, bad or questionable decisions <laughs> they have like pj washington still out there which like i'm surprised they're not giving him any money they have gordon hayward's expiring in a year where expirings actually have value and then yeah 
Uh, they brought back Miles Bridges on the qualifying offer, which I kind of understand. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. You can't give them a big money deal. And, you know, maybe you have a wink, wink arrangement like, hey, just, you know, stay quiet, play on this. You're suspended. Yeah. And then, you know, it's all exacerbated by, and we haven't seen Scoot yet, I guess, which doesn't, you know, maybe Scoot isn't as good as everyone thought. But I just thought that this was a two player draft. Um, and they picked for the, the longest time. Like, I, I don't think there was, I mean, it was Scooter Wemby from the jump, right? You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And they picked the third best player. So <laughs> in a way, I think Portland, their decision, they're like, you know, I don't think they're happy. They have to trade Dame, but it's, it doesn't hurt that you start, you get to start with Scoot Henderson, you know, in that rebuild conquest. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Charlotte's a team that has really puzzled me. Um, this off season, I think the Bulls. We kind of touched on it. They're another team that's a little odd. Um, I think you can't give too much credit to the Suns, who doesn't want to play with you know KD, Booker, and uh, Bradley Beal. Yeah, but, I know, mean, I yeah, I, I everybody was like you know giving them this that praise. It's just like I mean, you know. Let's see what happens first, A, and B, I mean, who did they really get? I mean, like, what are the acquisitions there that that really make a move? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think the Lakers quietly had a pretty good offseason. Um, I like the Gabe Vincent signing. You do? I, don't, the, I do. I think he's like the perfect point guard to play with LeBron when LeBron That's is true. like the point guard mode. Um. I will say re-signing D'Lo was pretty weird. Um, I thought they would do something else with them, but getting uh, Tari and Prince for five million bucks—that was, I think, a steal too. Yeah, that was. I would agree. Um, with that. I well, they, at least they didn't sign D'Lo to long-term money. And then the Knicks—I think the Knicks are a team that I'm a little—I thought they would do more. Um, so the, everything that everything points to they're waiting for big game hunting for next yeah. stop season. What do you make of that? I think I think that's smart. Um, but like they're built kind of weird. They have like they need a star wing and it's like the hardest thing to get. But they're also getting rid of like players they've invested a lot in. Like they traded Obi Toppin for nothing. And I don't know. If yeah, that was though. very weird. Like, uh, talk about a player I would have wanted to be in on. I, I, yeah. I, would you would have been? I mean, like, what do you think about Ovi? I think he would fit the Cavs well. They need a shooter, and he's he's not a great defender, but he'll rebound. Um, and he's an athlete. For his, he's, and he's, he's athletic, yeah. Yeah. But I don't get it. They also, they also kind of have a similar problem to the Cavs where they get, like, all these 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys, and they – think that they could play like you know be a wing um but then they don't they don't let rj barrett develop in that role they want him to be like a two for them so i don't know they're just a weird weird team um in that regard and um i'm trying to think other teams that are i think the nuggets to no fault of their own are kind of a loser they lost bruce brown and i think that number was just insane but yeah, I that, get was, it. that was crazy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think 
I don't know. What else is there? There's the big uh, loser to me was Houston. What the hell are they doing? Yeah, but I mean, they I think had my to count- spend the money. They had to spend mm-hmm. the money. I get it. But Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks for a quarter bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I, I'm I'm actually surprised that Dylan Brooks got that much. Me too. Or is with all the you know he's just such a headache off the court too now you know so. It's just insane that that's kind of the deal he was able to get still. Yeah, certified bozo. My God. Nima mm-hmm. Udoka doing his, doing his penitence out in Houston. Yeah. But um, let's do you, see, who else? So, do you, so circling back in, you know, to the Knicks a little bit, do you, what do you make of – do you buy any of the Giannis rumors? Let's start there. What's that? The rumor he wants to leave for like Golden State, or yeah, or a, a big market. Um, I don't know. It's like he's either not quiet. He's like either so quiet that you just assume he's happy, or something's brewing. But he's never been a big like attention person. So I don't know. I don't think those rumors are true right now. And oh, another reason why I don't think so, I thought Miami was a team that would do that. Mm. But I think Miami is pretty set on and hell-bent on Dame Lillard at this point. So gotcha. that's why I'm a little eh. And I thought the Warriors were potentially interested in that, but I thought that if for them to do that, they'd have to figure out Draymond somehow. Um, but they're, they obviously re-signed Draymond to come back, so... Yeah, and and booted Jordan Poole out of town. Yeah, I think I think if anything, that was a weird deal—the Chris Paul move. Yeah, because um, I also you think don't like the fit, do you? Uh, it's just weird because Steph is—it's not like Steph is big either, and so these guys are older and they can't move their feet as well. So I get the you got to make them play up, but these guys aren't like great defenders to begin with anymore. It feels like. Feels like Steph and Clay kind of don't have the same defensive impact, and it kind of fell off the cliff. Um, Especially with that, Clay, I'd say. Yeah, but that being said, I think anything is better than Jordan Poole. So the fact that they were able to even get a big expiring deal like that, um, you know, was probably worth it for them. And it just solves the Draymond Poole. You maybe instead of yeah, having they're not zero re-signing players, Draymond if they're keeping Poole. I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. Instead of having you know, zero players, but paying two. Now you just, you get a full player and pay one, you know? So I get the logic of why they made that deal. Um, Yeah. But otherwise it's, I think, I think the biggest dominoes are still yet to fall. And if I have to make a prediction right now, I think the Lillard trade will happen, but I, I'm just not sure that the Harden trade does. Wow. I still think. I still think he's going to play this year in Philly and just cooler heads will prevail that there's no situation where everyone gets what they want. Yeah. So I, would you say the analogy to like the Kyrie situation with Harden kind of applies in terms of the money at, at the end of the day, the money is going to be with Philly. Yeah, I think so. I think like as of right now, because the way he opted in the only way out, and making all, as much money as possible for the rest of his career is through Philly. Because if you go to another team and you flame out, you're you're stuck with not being 
you're not going to make $20 million a year or more going forward. And the only path to do that is to stay in Philly for this year at 35 and try to play as well as you did the year before and get like the three-year $100 million retirement deal. Yeah. 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 So uh, wrapping up on the slop, Donovan Mitchell rumors. You know, there's there's garbage out there about, you know, he could be gone by next by the trade deadline. Put any stock into it? Um, I don't think it'd be the trade deadline. Um, I think it would be um, the off season, maybe next year, one more year with Donovan. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, I think he has a he has an option. Oops, sorry about that. My watch just try to look up Donovan Mitchell. Um, <laughs> But he has, he has, you know, one more year before he's eligible for an extension. And if he doesn't sign the extension, I think the Cavs are going to freak out and, uh, you know, want to recoup as much as they can from that deal. Gotcha. And there's to be clear, there's two years. He's his player option isn't until the third year, correct? Um, let's see here. Yeah. So he has. Yep. That's uh, he has. This year, next year, and then a he has this year, and then next year, and then a player option. Yeah. So this is yeah. so far in the future. I mean, God, what a deal! I mean, take a take a bow, Kobe. Thank God you made that move. <laughs> it erases yeah. all the sins for me. It's it's so hard to it's so hard to criticize when when that that's. I mean, he finally made the move that I've always wanted him to make. So. Yeah. Although in hindsight, if he traded Jared Allen away instead. Oh God. Gonna... Oh man. We we'd be raising banners, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the that is the rub. I mean, God, Lori Marketing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean stretch fours, it seems like stretch fours are really the hardest thing to find. Outside like I guess outside of the wing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you need a stretch four that can still rebound. Like exactly. So, and Markkinen could rebound. He wasn't like the best lateral defender, but he played right. smart and in position to rebound. So, yep, could block shots. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. So moving on, we got summer calf summer league in the offing. I believe this weekend, maybe perhaps. Um. The Cavs lost, apparently they lost their summer league coach to Ime Udoka down in Houston. No, no, he went to the Mavs. Oh, he went to the Mavs. So it was Jason Kidd. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Also, I think uh, a favorite of Nate's, if I'm not mistaken, Alex Jensen of Utah fame, uh, former Cavs coach, was also on the move to Dallas as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the only reason why I remember that name was because of Nate. Um, uh, anything? So, what do you want to see in the summer league? Like, if if you're watching, or for those fans who are watching, the sickos watching the Cavs summer league, what do you want to see? Like, is there any players that uh, stand out to you on the summer league roster? Uh, you know, uh, anything in particular? Um, mm. I think everyone wants to see Imani Bates play really well. Um, yeah, I think he. So be he'll, he'll be out in summer league, huh? 
you will. Yeah, I actually think this summer league team is pretty decent. Um, you know, ironically, all the guys the Cavs drafted last year in the second round are there. Mobley, Travers, Diop. So Diop um, wasn't there last year, but he'll be there this year, huh? Yeah. And okay. then um, uh, Craig Porter Jr., the two-way guy, he's there. Okay. Um, Pete Nance. Nance will be there. Okay, yep. wow. And then Sharif Cooper and okay, Sharif Cooper and Sam Merrill. So oh, they're both going to be out there too. Yeah. So I think I'm quietly most excited for Sam Merrill just because I want to see him take a bunch of threes. Um, man, Sam Sam Merrill is old for an NBA player. Yeah. Or he's like 27 years old. Holy yeah. This is this is just, this is the kind of the the last last chance you know yeah. last chance you. <laughs> it's funny because there was an article about him and Max Struess being close, and uh, Sam was like quoted as trying to learn from him, and I'm like, no, duh. Now now I know because they're the same age and same height. <laughs> so, wow, I, you know I you know Merrill had that game in Orlando during the season, late in the season when um, Cavs. Yeah, it was it was scrub town. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah. Or they had like everyone on on the bench and they won. Yeah, yeah. I you know I liked I liked what I saw. It just the problem is going to be for him. He's got to be able to create a little bit off the dribble, and I just mm-hmm. don't know if he's going to get there in the NBA. Yeah. I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see. I'm. I how about, about Mobley? Uh, Mobley's brother is he going to be out there too? He is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually most. I think Mobley and Sharif and uh, Merrill should dominate just because they've you know been in the G League and they've played some NBA games. Yeah. Well, and they should have some chemistry amongst each other, which is yeah, kind of a from big playing thing together. There. Yeah. Um. But that being said, I, I do think I, I will be intrigued to watch Nance and see if he um, shows anything. You know, maybe he's the last two way guy. And there are rumblings that Mobley, the older Mobley bro, will get the last uh, 14th roster spot on the Cavs, like a big non guaranteed deal. Um, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world. I am a little surprised that uh, Diakite wasn't. I thought he played pretty well last year, but I guess he's not um, with the Cavs anymore. So, yeah, I, I I would have liked to keep him in the fold for sure. That that game against Philly that he had with Dean Wade, uh, Diakite, and Mobley shutting down uh, the MVP Joel Embiid yeah. was a great game. Um, I thought he deserved. Yeah, I thought he deserved some playing time. Although, uh, circling back a little bit, I do like the idea of giving... I mean, Isaiah Mobley was a guy that got screwed last year. I felt like he earned more minutes than he got uh, Mm -hmm. last year. I don't know what your feeling is about that. Yeah, I think he showed a skill set that the Cavs didn't have. Um, He was like a stretch big that rebounded. And he's not a great athlete at all, but... Yeah. For that role, I think he he fit pretty well. Um, I wouldn't be mad if he's the 14th player. I think the other kind of – sorry to go back to free agency. The one player that I would be intrigued on the Cavs taking a swing is Derek Jones Jr. Um, that might be Ooh. one veteran free agent signing that I would be intrigued by that could you know be a super 
um, high upside player. Um, but well, he can jump out of the gym and play some defense. So exactly. So, so why not? Why not use that roster spot for him and keep Mobley on a two way, especially with with three guys on the two way this year for this new CBA. So not bad. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but I am I am intrigued by Nance because he still has to earn a way to get a two way deal. Um, and um, I guess for me, I it it would be really bad luck if Craig Porter didn't look good because they already gave him the two way deal. It's penciled in as you know being better than the rest of the guys they're bringing back. So yeah, my thing with Craig Porter is you know if looking at a statistical profile. He, he he clearly, I think, can play the game. He knows how to play the game. High basketball IQ. Um, he's a dog, gets after it defensively. But from what I recall, I'm going by memory, so forgive me out there if I'm incorrect. But as far as I remember, his imp- his scoring was a problem for him. Being, being an offensive option, shooting the ball, I don't think – I think if I'm not mistaken, his – Shooting did not improve over the four years he was in college. I think it was a static 54% true shooting or something like that. So gotcha. That, that's the part that bothers me is, is as a guard, you got to be able like you got to be able to be a threat offensively as a guard. You know, if you yeah. can't shoot, then I don't, you know, I'm not going to get excited about you. Yeah, especially if you're a small guard. I think yeah. he's like one of those weird guards that's like good at he's like the point guard that's good at rebounding and blocking shots. But it's like you don't need that from a guy who's six <laughs> two. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was like the he's I think he was like the best, the like a top five of all college basketball players under six foot three with block percentage. And I'm like, that's great, but that doesn't help like an NBA team. <laughs> Like he got more rebounds. Is that is it? That sounds like something Fedor would say as propaganda minister <laughs> for Kobe Altman. Maybe, but it's like he's <laughs> he's a great rebounder for a point guard. And it's like, well, or he's just a really bad passer because he <laughs> has a ball in his hands all the time. I think I, mean, he, I think he was a decent passer. At VC, it was VCU, right? No, he went to Wichita State. Wichita State, okay, same difference. What, yeah, what, but he, I mean, he averaged six rebounds and five assists, so he's not like terrible. Um, no, no, I like that. I like yeah. I, I like rebounders. I, I definitely have a, a soft spot for rebounders, especially on this damn squad. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think um, that's the other thing about Struess that I just want to nitpick. He's not a great rebounder. Um, if anything, that if he was, that would give me some hope. I think. Yeah. Oh, um, it would change my it would change yeah. my opinion completely about him. I think. Yeah. Like I think the Cavs are trying to find like a guy like Josh Hart. I feel like, but it's Struess is not Josh Hart. Right. And I don't know. I just I just circle back at the Cavs. Don't take the next step forward. And Grant Williams looks really good with the Mavs. I'll just be very upset and fuming. <laughs> uh, because that's we can't have that. We'll, that's what um that I thought Grant Williams was like the perfect fit for the Cavs because you know he's a forty percent three point shooter. He has a toughness. He play he can play up to four or five if you really want to go small, and he fits with Mobley and Allen. And you know, and for the Cavs, he could probably play some three because you have those two guys. Like it just 
I don't know sense. about that. Yeah, I, I think that's a bridge too far. Him at the three. Hey, they were trying the according to Chris Fedor, they might play Niang at the three for the Cavs. Oh my god, so, I, that's not. If if that's the case, then is it's going to be a short lived experiment. I promise you, it will not. It will not last as an experiment because. Yeah. Because that's just completely absurd. Like that's that's spoken like that's that reeks of somebody saying something based solely on stats or a stat sheet rather than watching mm-hmm. them play. So, um, but anyway, uh, shall we wrap up or do you want to take another break? Oh no, we can wrap this up. Okay. Well, I, that is your. Uh, draft and free agency wrap up for Cavs the podcast. Uh, uh, let's end on a good note. Do, do you have anything to pitch? Any good stories to tell? Uh, you know, something something nice and positive, happy. Well, it's funny. I was going to try to. I do have a story that starts a little negative but ends positive. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. We we could we could we can work with that. Yeah. So. As I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I went on a trip to Portland and, you know, Seattle for a long, you know, five day trip with my, uh, my girlfriend. And, uh, we get back, we had a, you know, no flight delays. So made it back on time. Got wait, had wait, dinner wait, together. girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Eli's been making moves. Uh, trying to, it. trying to make an acquisition here, man. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, we get back, we have a nice dinner. I'm, I'm home. I, I, I'm about to let the dog out. Um, shout out to my parents for helping me with the dog while I was gone. Um, take the dog out and, you know, I live in an area where there are a lot of deer and I have a fence, but the fence is only like three feet tall. So the deer jump over the fence all the time. And I saw it in my backyard and you know, I take the dog out. The dog is like walking towards the backyard to do his business. And usually when I when I see a deer in the backyard and I walk out there, they start, you know, running away. This time, the deer starts walking towards us, like creepily what? close. What? Yeah. Creepily close. And I'm like, what is going on? And then out of nowhere, this deer tries to stomp on my dog. What? Yeah. What? So I start freaking out. This the sounds like a rabid deer. I know. I, I thought it was like a zombie movie for a split second. <laughs> the, the dog starts freaking out. And then the dog, I mean, uh, to be fair, the dog did get hit once by the deer's hooves. Um, it, was a, it was a female. It was a doe. So no, no, you know, antlers or anything like that. Wow. But Holy my dog's like screaming. Crap. I'm like freaking out. I run towards the deer to get in between the two because I'm, you know, bigger. Yeah. And I grab a branch from the ground and I just start swinging it. So it kind of backs away. But the deer then like hops the fence. But instead of like running away, it like stays in front of the fence. And it's like looking at me like growling. And I'm like, I've never seen it like this. What? Yeah. So, um, you know, I finally get the dog to calm down. He does his business. We get back into the house. I look out the back window. I have a big sliding door and the deer is back in my backyard. And I'm like, what the heck? I thought I like scared the crap out of it, you know? And 
Um, I guess the other part of the story was there was, there was these neighborhood kids that heard me like screaming to like, go away, go away. And they came and saw like this all unfold too. And they're like, Oh my God, that deer is trying to kill your dog. And I'm like, I know go help, like help me do something guys. Like, <laughs> like don't just stand there. <laughs> so they all Wait, did like, they, did they whip shouting. their phones out and just, that's what I expected one, to do. <laughs> one kid whipped his phone out and the other two kids were a little older. I would say they're like between eight and 13 years old. Okay. The two like older kids like ran and were like trying to like wave their arms and, you know, shoot Oh, they said they were through. helpful. That, that's, yeah, they were. That's awesome. Shout um, out to the youth of yeah. Columbus, Ohio. So then uh, that all happens. And then, you know, me and the dog get back inside. And then I have a, you know, sliding glass door that looks out to my backyard. I look out and then I see the deer again. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, why is he still here? Like, I th- why is she still here? I thought she'd be freaked out by like all this commotion of like four people coming up to it and trying to shoot away. Well, it turns out the the deer was a mother and the fawn was in my backyard as well oh but it was, the, it was stuck the fawn, wasn't... the fawn was very young and it it accidentally like shut the my fence it has a gate and it accidentally like closed the gate on itself oh my god so the fawn couldn't get out like couldn't figure out how to get out of my backyard to be with oh. the mom but then the mom was just being protective cuz obviously the mother was assuming that the dog or my myself was going to go after yeah um, yeah the fawn so long story is the positive spin is once we saw the once i saw the fawn and saw that you know it it nestled its way out of the area and then out of my bedroom window i saw it like leave the little fawn leave my yard through the through the opening in the fence and then uh, the deer also walked out as well. So ha- happy ending to see like the power of love. Uh, <laughs> That's right. A and, mother's, like, a mother's love. A mother's love try to defend against a very big Korean man and a little puppy. <laughs> but um, it was just an interesting, interesting way to come back home. Oh, so my goodness. That is crazy. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad, you know... That's the, the, I was wondering where it was going here. I was, I was mm-hmm. failing to see the pot, but, but you, you circle back to a very, uh, Bambi Disney ending. So that, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. What about you? Anything you want to shout or pitch? Uh, I, you know, I was just, I was just thinking like, uh, I'll pitch. Okay. So what I'll pitch is, um, uh, there's a techno show that I watch uh, on YouTube. A uh, famous techno DJ, Armin Van Buren, has a, a state of trance. Uh, is a podcast. It's a podcast slash live stream slash YouTube show slash whatever. Some uh, basically a, a DJ show, and uh, I think he recently did his 20th year anniversary uh, show. Um, can be, you can Google it, you can YouTube it, you know, but, uh, you know, Armin Van Buren, uh, I love, uh, he's come up with some bangers, especially, um, especially my favorite tune of his is, um, actually it's a, a Vici remix of Drowning, uh, that he did a long while back. Um, it was Armin Van Buren Drowning, uh, a Vici remix uh, one of the best techno songs ever written, uh, and rest in peace of Ichi. He's dead and gone now. 
uh, but uh, uh, absolute banger. Did a 20th anniversary show. Um, played all the classics. So uh, if you're a techno fan or if you just dig uh, trance music, uh, electronic music, or if you just dig like workout music, you know, check out State of Trance 20th anniversary show from Armin Van Buren. So that, that, that's my pitch. I, I, I struggled to find one, but that, that's the one off the top of my head. So <laughs> that's awesome. I do like house music. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. You and the, you and the misses enjoy. You should enjoy the show. Uh, absolute, uh, uh, absolute, uh, classic. So, um, uh, with that, uh, we will bid adieu and, uh, uh, go Cavs summer league. Go Cavs Summer League. Let's hope Imani Bates makes a lot of threes. Oh, absolutely. I love it. We're calling it, calling the shot right now. Imani Bates season starting right now, baby. Absolutely. That's right. All right. Uh, have a good night and go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.